worship at Hollywood United Methodist Church. We are so glad that you have joined us in person and online. Let us now join our hearts and our, and our voices together with our choir as we sing together, sing praise to God who reigns above. I invite you to stand as you are able.
I am super excited today to be joined by some special, special guests up here. I have Isabeau and Bear, and they're gonna help us with our children's sermon today. As you know from uh, Mr. Kevin and myself, we have talked about what we are studying, which is the fruits of the spirit, and this week we're talking about peace. Yeah, peace. So let me ask you something. How long do you think that you can go without moving or talking at all? Isabeau, Bear, how long do you think you can go? Um, well, I can do it for um, t 10 tw or 20 minutes. Oh, 10 or 20 minutes. That's probably better than me. Uh, so let's do a little test with the congregation, too, and I'm going to play. We're going to play a game. We play some games uh, in children's ministry. One of our favorites is called Night at the Museum, where we have moments of moving around and moments of being still. So we're going to practice being still. And I want to see, and we're all going to play, how long we can go without moving or making any noise. All right? So you're allowed to blink and you're allowed to breathe. Okay, here we go. You ready? One, two, three, go. Okay, so I saw a little movement here. Oh, Isabeau's really good at this. Oh, wow. Whoa. All right, uh, that was fantastic. Woo, all right, excellent job. Yeah, I think that deserves a round of applause. No. Um, so let me ask you another question. What did you notice as you were sitting there, Isabeau? Did you hear anything when you were still? Yeah. What did you hear? Um, I heard you. You heard me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not very good at this game. And that's exactly it. We hear things sometimes in those still moments that we don't notice. So raise your hand if it's a lot of fun to jump around and play and dance and do all that fun stuff. Do you like doing that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And sometimes it's also good to have those still moments, those moments of peace. <laughs> because it's in those moments we hear things. Maybe it's a voice. Maybe it's a sound. Uh, the sound of water or of something on the street or a voice that we haven't heard before. And it's in those moments that we can feel and see and be closer to God. And all God's children said, Amen. All right. So at this point, what we're going to do is I am going to invite parents and guardians to dismiss children to our now open uh, nursery for those under three and for everyone else through the parlor to go ahead and check in for children's ministry. And now you have this opportunity with one another to stand up and pass the peace as you wave to your neighbors. And now let us begin our time of prayer, beginning with our choral call to prayer.
gracious God, in Christ you call us to unity of mind and purpose. But we confess that our, off, our hearts are often turned towards separation and division. For whatever reason, we choose to fear one another instead of following you. We choose to tear each other down in ways that cause pain. Remind us, O Lord, that we have all been baptized as one body into Christ. Remind us again that we are all traveling on the same side of the road. We are all following your way to build your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We, praise, we pray for those among us who are in need of healing of mind, body, or spirit. We continue to pray for Richard, for Becky, who's coming home from the hospital tomorrow, for Loretta, who remains hospitalized, and for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Loving God, we pray for those parts of our world where conflict rages and innocent lives are threatened. We especially pray today for the Amish and Mennonite aid workers who have been kidnapped in Haiti. They're only trying to provide comfort and relief to persons who have been ravaged by the earthquake and by other forces within that country. And yet now they themselves are victimized. We pray for their healing for their rapid release and for the healing as they are praying for the healing of their captors hearts that they might see and release them to be free teach us O lord to hold fast to those promises that draw us together in the spirit enable us to be vessels of your love and of christ's ministry as we travel your way we pray all these things in the name of jesus our christ who taught us to pray our father who art in heaven Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And good morning. It is so good to be with you this morning. There are a few announcements that I'd like to call your attention to. Uh, first of all, next Sunday is going to be Meet the Music Department in the courtyard. There's going to be coffee and ooh, maybe something sweet to eat, as well as a time for you to chat with uh, our wonderful director of music and organist John West and members of the choir, of the Handbell Choir, uh, and uh, just to have conversations about if you would like to be part of this wonderful dynamic department, uh, we'd love to have you. And that will include our AV department. So if you have a passion for doing PowerPoint or camera operation or video editing, come by and say hi too, because it's all part and parcel of this one great ministry uh, here at Hollywood UMC. Our new member class has moved online. Uh, so we were going to have just one session and that the next session will be on Tuesday, October 26th at 6.30 p.m. via Zoom. So if you'd like to be part of that, please email me and uh, I will send you the uh, materials for that class. 
finally, we are preparing for All Saints Sunday on November 7th. And we, to do that, in, in years past, we've had folks come down and remember by saying the name of someone that they've lost in the past year. Because of COVID, everything has changed, but not the fact that we will do that remembrance. What we need to do is assemble that list of persons ahead of time. So if you have someone that you have lost in the past 12 months that you would like to have a candle lit for and have their name read in worship on November 7th, please email that name or those names to me at RebKathy at HollywoodUMC.org, and we will make sure that they get on that list so that we can honor all the saints that have gone before us on All Saints Sunday. All that we do here is made possible by you, by your prayers and your presence, both in person and online, your service, your witness, and your financial gifts. If you are in person and have an offering for today, you can leave it in the basket in the narthex as you exit the service. There are other ways to give that are online that are on the screen in front of you. Um, there you can text to give. There's a QR code that offers all the different ways. We simply ask that you continue to support us as we're as we hopefully are on the tail end of this pandemic uh, so that we can continue to bring you ministries in the heart of Hollywood and in Toluca Lake.
A reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Here with the Spirit is saying to God's people, thanks be to God. Hi, I'm Diana Butler-Bass, and I'm really excited that Harmony to Luca Lake and Hollywood United Methodist Church are going to spend time this fall studying my new book, Freeing Jesus. Freeing Jesus was a really great book to write during the pandemic. It gave me time to think back about my own journey as a Christian and how I've experienced Jesus in a number of different ways, as friend, teacher, savior, Lord, way, and presence. The book is theological and it's also memoir. But mostly it invites you to think about your own story with Jesus over time. And I hope that as you enter into it, that you will discover not only Jesus, but your own heart. And that you might hear where God is calling you next. I hope you'll have a great time together. And I hope that my words will resonate with you take you to places you didn't imagine, and challenge you to see Jesus in new ways.
we're grateful to Diana for her intro into this fall sermon series, Freeing Jesus. In the introduction to her book, Diana recounts an experience she had at the Washington National Cathedral some years ago. She was sitting in one of the side chapels of this magnificent cathedral, and she was kneeling at an altar rail looking up at a triptych of Jesus, and she distinctly heard him say to her, get me out of here. Now, it had nothing to do with being in the cathedral, for the cathedral is a marvelous Episcopal church. It's a fantastic uh, progressive congregation. It wasn't about that at all. But that experience led Diana to ponder, what does it mean for us to really free Jesus from the baggage that we as the church as a whole and Christians of many types have placed on him? Baggage that seeks to exclude rather than to welcome. How can we gain a renewed sense of who Jesus is and his power in our life today? So that has been our focus this fall. So far we've discovered, uh, we've considered rather Jesus as friend, as teacher, and as Lord. Next week, Pastor Mark will share with us Jesus as Savior as I go and preach this sermon at Harmony. And then on the 31st of October, we will conclude our series with Jesus as Presence. And it's not too late to get the book. It is not too late to join us on Zoom at 6 o'clock on Wednesdays as we talk about uh, freeing Jesus and the, the chapters of the book that we are preaching on each week. Now, today we're talking about Jesus as the way. Even before I read the chapter in Diana's book, I was reminded of the Bible that I used to read as a teen called The Way. It was a biblical paraphrase not a translation, a paraphrase, written for teens and young adults, complete with theological pitfalls that can come with that kind of a paraphrase of ancient texts. It was written, I think, as part of a, the counterculture movement to the, uh, the 1960s, the reactionary movement of, uh, of just society as a whole. Now, our passage from the Gospel of John for this morning has its own type of theological pitfalls, but they are not adorned with the pictures on the front of this that just scream the 1970s, don't they? Now, Diana says that throughout the New Testament, Jesus invites people to follow him, to walk with him, to go on a journey. There's nothing particularly new in this, as the Hebrew scriptures are full of stories of wanderers and pilgrims, exiles and immigrants. And of course, in the ancient world, teachers of all sorts Gurus, prophets, healers, mystic, they all gathered followers together, those who embraced a certain message, and they put it into everyday practice. However, in the Gospel of John, Jesus ups the ante. He not only taught a way inviting others to follow him, but he said that he was the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is a beautiful verse, a poetic and a parabolic image of the way and the way, a beckoning for all who know Jesus to willingly embrace the journey. That is the path, that is the road of liberation. And it would be freeing except for the next sentence. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the theological pitfall we find ourselves facing today. Now, we know especially in this congregation, we know there are too many people who we had a, have had in our own lives or churches that we grew up in who proof text 
or they lift one verse out of context to make a sweeping generality about Jesus. And generally, those generalities are ones that would exclude other people, not include. We've seen that happen in the seven clobber passages in the Bible related to same gender relationships. They are misinterpreted in the light of the entire text in order to exclude entire groups of God's beloved children. The same thing happens when we consider John 14:6 as a standalone verse or one that offers an absolute truth about Christianity. You can't see John 6 without John 14:6 without putting it in context with John 14:1 to 5. So let's do set that context. In the gospel lesson for this morning, Jesus knows that the disciples are about to have their hearts broken by his impending arrest and crucifixion. They have been family together for three years. As adults, the disciples had chosen to leave their biological families to follow Jesus on the way, to build that kingdom of God. And in just a few moments, as it were, he will be gone from them. Jesus is trying to prepare them so that they will not be overwhelmed, but they can find their own way through his betrayal, crucifixion, resurrection, and beyond. So Jesus begins this first portion of what scholars call the farewell discourses of Jesus in the Gospel of John, chapters 13 through 17, with words of comfort and an immediate call to faith. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In other words, don't let the grief that you're about to experience in our separation cause you not to trust in God. Don't let your grief and your fear cause you to retreat from God. Yeah, things are going to change as they do. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Because where I am, Jesus says, someday, someday you're going to be there too. In the meantime, you don't have to worry because the Holy Spirit is going to be with you always. But then in verse 5, as we heard Suzanne read, Thomas, oh yes, that Thomas from the second Sunday of Easter always, Thomas says to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Diana rightly points out that the disciples are fearful and confused. They're not worried about people of other religions or of no religion. They're scared for themselves. They're scared that they're going to lose their friend. And they wonder if Jesus goes away, what's going to happen to them? Will they be banished from God's presence, from the joy that they had experienced together? But Jesus says, no, fear, estrangement, separation, isolation, these are not the last words. Instead, Jesus says, come, dwell in me, even as I dwell in God. Bass describes this as a dynamic sort of dwelling, not a static thing, rather like a tented God on the journey instead of one inside movable wall, immovable walls. I am the way, Jesus says, and not one of you, my fearful friends, knows God apart from me 
from what I have embodied of God for you. So stay close, Jesus says. Keep the faith, Jesus says. Through the journey, through the way of self-giving love that Jesus is about to take, justice and mercy is going to cover the earth. There would be no way, there would be no way except that the love of God for each of us and for all of us has made a way. God would be distant, would be separate from us, separated and unavailable except for love that was embodied in the way of Jesus our Christ. There would be much to fear except for this way, the way that is wide open to all those who trust in Jesus. It's invitation, it's not exclusion. I am the way and the truth and the life, Jesus assured them. Except for me showing you the way of God, you would be lost. Those are the words of assurance that Jesus meant when he said, I am the way. But there are plenty of folks who still cling to that exclusionary interpretation. Diana tells a story about being at a church and offering up at a retreat, and she invited one of the women there to stand and read John 14, 1 to 6a. But the woman continued on to read the whole thing, including the B part. And Diana tried to make a joke about, well, I thought we were going to stop at, at uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the woman looked at her and said, yes, but I wasn't about to stop because that's not the whole message. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and no one goes to the Father except through him. And she clutched her Bible to her chest and sat down. I would never have done that to a guest preacher. I'm just going to say right there up front. But the biblical call, scholar Peter Inns says that believing that we are right about God helps give us a sense of order in an otherwise messy world. He calls this the sin of certainty. Well, in the midst of an ever-complicated and complex world, with the spread of intentional disinformation on so many levels, that many times just doesn't care, the people who are offering that disinformation don't care what it does to people and what collateral damage it creates. I suppose I get why we would want to indulge in the sin of certainty. There's so much in our lives right now that we can't control. We can't control those we love who won't get the vaccine. We can't compel them. We can try and convince them, but we can't control that. But if I have a punch list for faith, oh, I can control what I do on it, right? But here's the problem with that sort of thinking. The way of faith, our journey with Jesus is less a roadmap than it is a maze. Diane explains it this way, a roadmap is about the destination. You have clearly identified spots along the way, but they aren't the point. The point is to get to the finish line, and that's heaven. A maze, however, can take you in all sorts of directions, some not the right path, some close you off and you have to backtrack and go forward another way. And Hopefully, you end up at that same finish line, but defining the way as the journey itself, it's as much about how you treat others along the way. 
how you experience the profundity of God in everyday life and how that journey, those learnings deepen your faith and your identity in Christ. Someone who clearly understood this among us was Jeff Swenson. I shared a story, this story uh, at his uh, memorial service last weekend. It was eight or nine years ago that Marianne and Jeff invited my husband and me to dinner, but there was a catch. We had to drive to their home, which is about three miles from ours, park, and then take the bus to the restaurant. We said, sure, it sounds like fun. Well, the day comes, and as we're driving to the Swinsons, Renee says, oh, we don't need to bother with the bus. There's parking at the restaurant. Tell them we'll drive. And we came to a stoplight, and I turned to him, and I said, Renee Ledesma, are you going to be the one to tell Jeff Swenson we're not doing things his way? Because I'm not going to do that. Well, we got there, and Jeff tepidly tried to say to Jeff, let's just drive, and the response was, uh, no. So I parked, and Jeff had quarters for the bus for all of us. He good-naturedly complained that he had to have more for me because I was the only non-senior citizen in the group. And off we went. And after dinner, we walked one or two blocks and uh, had some ice cream before returning home on the bus. That experience taught me everything about who God had created and called Jeff Swenson to be. A person who valued the journey far more than the destination. Sure, a car's got to get you there more quickly, but why is that important? Just look at all the new sights and sounds and experiences you would miss along the way. Thank God for the life of Jeff Swenson because he reminded me that the way is so important. Well, finally, Diana shares a story of walking in the countryside of England when she and her companion came to a fenced pasture at the edge of a farm. Now, I guess I've never been there, but there was usually a gate in the fence for the public to go through and to allow walkers access to continue on their way. Well, they finally found this gate, and they noticed a, a, they noticed a, a posting tacked on the gate itself. Beware of bull. Where is it? And so they scanned the field looking for it. Where is it? Oh, it's over there. It's on the far side. Come on, let's go. It's way over there. Diana said she took a deep breath, followed the path, and moved as quickly as possible. The bull didn't move, but the two of them breathed a sigh of relief when they got to the other side and through the other gate. And she concludes this way. Journeys are risky. Sometimes you've got to get past the bull. And on a faith journey, there can be a lot of, you know, bull. <laughs> so this day, I want to invite us to go forward on the way, the way of Jesus, not allowing the fear of what is to come, what is happening now or what has happened in the past to stop us. Because as Jesus will say later in this chapter, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world give, Jesus says. 
don't let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid, because I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. following the way of Jesus and experiencing and enjoying the journey itself. Go forth in peace now to love and serve the Lord. Amen. <laughs>